Hey, PT listeners, we've been working on something special at Tier 11, something that I can say without exaggeration or without hesitation will produce better ad optimization and increased conversions and have a profound impact on the amount of data you can send back to all your ad platforms. That includes Meta, that includes TikTok, that includes Google, and we call it X-Ray Tag. And it's only available to Tier 11 customers. A lot of businesses think that it's Black Friday, it's the holiday season, and once they actually get through that, then they'll worry about next year. Well, now is the time for you to start gathering all the data that you can to set yourself and your business up for success in 2024. X-Ray Tag replaces all the potpourri of pixels, cappies, cookies with one single implementation that sends higher quality first-party data back to all your ad platforms. In fact, in our early testing, we've seen a 40 to 100% increase in event matching quality, aka EMQs in Meta, which translates into better ad optimization and increased conversions. So if you feel like your ads are flying blind, head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray to get early access. Clients to sign up before the end of the year, move to the front of the line, and we are only offering this for the PT listener like yourself. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray. Don't miss out. If you get 100% ROI on every dollar you spend online, you have stunted your business. You have said, I am not going to let my business grow and flourish. Instead, I'm going to hold it back and say that it's more important for me to every single time turn profit instead of getting out there and reaching more customers and just letting others know that you're out there and raising your hand and saying, hey, I'm here. I can help you. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello and welcome to episode 123 of Perpetual Traffic. We've got another guest with us today, some back-to-back guests, awesome guests though. Today, we've got John from Digital Marketer coming on. I'll let Molly do the uh, nice little introduction. But he's going to be talking about five selling systems Digital Marketer needed for growth. Break even or bust is what he called it. So... Uh, I'm excited. We were just talking before we hit record, and uh, this is some good stuff. I'm going to be taking notes. I hope you are, just not while you're driving. If you're driving while listening to this, just listen to it again. What's up, guys? How are we doing? Doing great. Awesome. Happy to be here. I think this is a really important episode that everyone should probably listen to two or three times, just to make sure the the concepts really settle in your brain. John's going to share these five selling systems, which are funnels, right? We're just calling them selling systems so that they apply to more businesses. Five selling systems that DM has used to achieve growth. And I think it really goes to show there are more than one way to do this stuff. Everyone in the industry is looking to find this one funnel that they can make all of this money off of and scale to infinity and beyond. Not that that doesn't work, but if you really want to build a business, a stable business, have stable acquisition, you really have to have multiple funnels, multiple selling systems that you know are helping you achieve your goals. So I think you're going to learn a lot from John Grimshaw today, especially in terms of data and what numbers you should be tracking inside of these funnels. And what you'll find is that different funnels should be measured in different ways, right? 
So he's going to share some different numbers in the way that digital marketer tracks the success and the performance of, of funnels or selling systems. I would like to introduce John Grimshaw. He's DM's analytics and data manager. John, you've been with Digital Marketer for what, four years now? Uh, I think it's been three years. Three years? Hard to tell. <laughs> it feels like an infinity. And beyond. Yeah. So John and I have always worked hand in hand since pretty much the moment that you started. John is the data behind the business. John probably knows, uh, or I know he does, John knows more about Digital Marketer than anyone else in the building. And the reason for that is because he's always looking at the data. And he's the first one to tell us, hey, we need to pivot, or hey, there's a fundamental flaw in the business, or here's a huge opportunity. So very, very important, brilliant data person and overall marketer and a dear friend. So John, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that awesome intro. Yeah, every time Ryan gets an email from me, I know he just does not want to open it because it's always like bad news. (laughs) (laughs) Churn is high. (laughs) You should send him an email every now and then. Hey, Ryan, I found a big bag of money out in the parking lot. (laughs) That's happened a few times, actually. Didn't you you find some money one time? Oh, I'm in the middle of finding a giant bag of money right now, actually. I should be done with it next Tuesday. (laughs) Were they payments that should have gone through or something? The scariest thing you'll ever see in a business is when you go look at all these things that didn't fire, that were supposed to, but the automation of the system is messed up and you just say, oh no, this explains so much. Yeah, if we manually process these payments, we could generate 50 grand today. <laughs> wow, that's, that. that's pretty much, yeah, yeah testing it out. I did that last week, so. <laughs> the guy who finds the money. That's awesome. That's how important John is to digital marketer. And data usually is one of the last things that a business owner looks at or one of the last hires that they make. And I strongly recommend if you do have the resources to hire a data analyst or someone like John, there really isn't anyone more valuable that you can add to the business. So that being said, John, do you want to kind of tell the story of how this came about and drop some some knowledge on us? So, yeah, it's nice that you referenced, you know, that I've been at DM for a while because the story kind of starts back in like summer of 2015. So I was working with Molly and, you know, she's been doing Facebook and doing Facebook well for as long as I can remember. And she's kind of started to notice this trend that the relevant score wasn't where we wanted it to be. Costs were, were climbing and ROI was not what it wanted to be. And at this time, we were usually making something like 30% or so ROI after about seven days on the, the traffic we were running. But we just were were really having trouble scaling. You know, we kept saying like, oh, we can't take this campaign out to enough people. It doesn't work when we go outside of this little bubble because we were still living in internet marketing land. And so Molly went to Ryan, she went to Rich, the president of Digital Marketer and said, here's kind of what I see happening. Like if we stay where we are today, we're never going to be able to accomplish our mission of doubling 10,000 businesses. We're never going to really hit the critical mass of, of customers and subscribers and people using and benefiting from our courses that we really need to get done what we want to do. So it was kind of this moment when we decided we were going to take a step away from this more B2C, you know, selling more to the individual and go more B2B, really think about how to sell to businesses. And this is when we started our product, Digital Marketer HQ, actually. So this is when we, we made this kind of big decision and planted this flag saying it's time for us to 
really figure out how to 5x the number of people we're reaching and the number of people that we can really run through these programs and teach. When we made that decision, we were like, great, let's take everything we got today and just change the audience completely. Just, you know, (laughs) blow it out. We want to go huge. And by the way, if you guys go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast, this is episode 123. You can actually look at John's slides and you will see a graph, the terrible thing that happened. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking right at this picture right now and I can see the moment we made this choice because, you know, the ROI was pretty nice for the the week or whatever right before it was like 80% or so immediately. And then Within a span of about three weeks, it had dropped to negative 87%. And so it was this like amazing crowning moment. You know, we're like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to really just commit and pivot and take this out to everyone else. scale. (laughs) We just like threw our doors wide open and just had some crickets come inside. I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, no, this is bad. So our immediate ROI just completely cratered. You know, it had been, like I said, kind of averaging around 30%. And our average at the end of all this was negative 87%. And so it was one of those moments when you say something or many somethings about what we just did didn't work. Uh, And it doesn't mean that we can't do this, but it means that we really need to, to hit the timeout button and dig in and figure out what's going on. And so we just started like looking at this 10 ways from Sunday, trying to figure out what it was that we needed to do to make this work. And, you know, at the time we kept running traffic because at the end of the day, we needed the traffic for the business. And if we wanted to kind of conduct these tests and figure out what was working and what wasn't, we were going to have to keep sending people to this. So a few months later, a dozen tests later, the immediate ROI had not really improved. We tried all these different things, new creative, new ways of presenting the offer, all that kind of stuff. But it never really did what we expected it to do. Immediate ROI never jumped back up to that 30% or so. But we were making money and we knew we were making money, not just from our email list, not just from subscribers we already had in the business. We knew that our traffic was generating revenue. And so it was kind of this awesome pivotal moment where we said like, you know what? Things are working. We just don't have a good way to measure how well they're working anymore. We're no longer living in this tiny little pond where we're really familiar with and know exactly what we want. We need to figure out a new way to say, hey, this is good. This is bad. This is how we should be selling this product, selling our service, reaching out to new people. So it was a really cool moment. And I had to go pretty deep to come up with a way to measure it. So basically, I came up with this system that let me do attribution for about two years for 12 different funnels where every single dollar we made from these customers went back to the week that they joined our email list. What slide is that one on, John? 16. It's scary. (laughs) So just so I'm clear, so the, the pivotal moment here was you were running this particular campaign, but looking at it very, you know, very in a micro sort of way. It was you basically you were spending a dollar and you were getting a dollar thirty back at a seven day time period. And the pivotal moment was when you scaled, you were spending a dollar and at a seven day time period, you were only making thirteen cents or thereabouts. Is that sort of for our people who are trying to visualize what the real problem was that <laughs> obviously led to this solution? Is that accurate? Yeah, that's exactly right. We'd been so used to this experience of just 
every time we put a dollar in, we were going to get more than that out. It was like magic. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a money machine. Yeah. But the audience tired, right? So we had to pivot the business. Yeah. So it, it was a huge moment. And yeah, it was it was really scary because you you went from just feeling like you could do no wrong with traffic to. Will this ever work again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything felt bad. Everything felt scary. But but the good news is we got to the other side and figured out kind of what was going on. Epic. Yeah. And this is um, just to add a part to this. this. This episode here is almost like a bookend to episode 106, where we talk about this a little bit, but not really as in-depth as John's going to be talking about here, which is lifetime value of customer and how you kind of use your advertising to figure that whole thing out. So if you haven't listened to episode 106, I would go back to it. We use a really very basic simple formula to try and figure out how much you could pay for a customer. And this is sort of, you know, the graduate course, I would say, in this episode (laughs) with John. So what happened? Yeah. So the kind of like little teaser is we're going to talk about these five systems that we kind of came up with when we we went through that process of really breaking down all of these different pages, all these different offers, all these different campaigns we were using to drive traffic. We came up with five kind of key systems. But before we can really dive into talking about what those five things are, there's two important kind of data concepts to cover. And so this is this is what I want to call eating the data vegetables. So <laughs> you're going to get the dessert, which is the, uh, <laughs> the systems digital marketer used, but, but you got to have a little bit of Brussels sprouts, some green beans, and a few carrots before we can go too, too deep <laughs> on that. So the first one is attribution. And attribution is how you figure out whose job it is to clean all the dirty dishes in the sink. And so, you know, there's this kind of visual of my house. I used to live in a house that didn't have a dishwasher. And there was basically just about 70 dishes in it. I didn't even know we had that many. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And so how did we decide? Chore wheel, fight to the death. Who was going to clean that? And attribution is kind of how you can think about that for, for sales, right? So whose job is it? Who gets credit or in this case, like responsibility for for the mess or the responsibility for the sale? And is it the person who put the last dish in the sink? Is it the person who put the first dish in the sink? Is it whoever put the most in? That's kind of like questions we want to answer with attribution. You're really trying to say, what is the the piece or pieces of content and ads and and little touches that we had with this customer that really made this happen? And so there's a lot of different ways to model it. And and the truth is there's no one right answer. You know, you can look at last click. That's where you're going to say whatever the last thing the customer did right before they purchased gets 100% of the credit. And that's what a lot of email marketers use because email is one of the best of ways course. to close the sale, right? So they're saying, well, we are really good at this because we make hand over fist money every right. time. It's like email is the highest revenue function. It's like, yeah, but where'd those people come from? Battle of attribution. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we want to know how to assign credit for that success. And, and it's not really fair, like with email, to say that all the credit goes to them. So while there's no one right answer, when we were doing this, there were two kind of things we were looking at. Originally, it had been that last touch, that immediate. So looking at a sale that happened within about six hours of the, the last click a customer had, so it's really good if you want to evaluate immediately when you put a dollar in, how much you're going to get out. Or, you know, over the period of a week, if you've got a, a follow-up system for whatever your campaign is through email, that's going to get some of the, the credit for that too. And then the other one that really we used and that let us figure out what was working here is this previous opt-in model. 
So instead of looking at the last interaction a customer had, we kind of changed the conversation and said, what we're going to do is try to assign credit to when this person went from being someone who you know maybe read a blog post, maybe liked us on Facebook, but had not become a lead. And that moment when they when they joined our email list, that was the moment, right? That was when we said, all right, this is the pivotal change in the relationship. And we wanted to give the credit there and figure out what was happening because we knew we were making money. We just didn't know how to properly say this is doing a good job and this is not. So this was a big part of it was switching to thinking about previous opt-in, last opt-in, first opt-in, whatever you might do or want to call it there and giving that credit for the sale. And then the other one is ROI. And ROI, you know, I know it's been talked about plenty on the podcast and so I don't need to belabor the point. But it's just thinking about when you're making a choice in life, when you're going to go see a movie, right? Do you want to do something that is gratifying in sort of an intellectual way, go see something critically acclaimed, the movie La La Land or Moonlight? Or do you just kind of want to turn your brain off for a couple hours and go see, you know, whatever movie Mark Wahlberg is in right now? (laughs) Something with robots fighting each other, right? That's probably the best brain. I think that's what Ralph watches. Transformers 17. That's it. Yeah, when we're talking about ROI, we want to understand that relationship between choices we're making. So it's thinking about you're going to spend some money on a movie ticket or you're going to spend some money on a on a Facebook campaign and you want to know what is going to provide the best value for you and there's different things you're going to want every time and we'll talk a little bit more about how you might choose which system fits your need but you just want to know that ROI really focuses your attention on traffic as a tool to recapture money and so you're spending money on ad purchasing you're spending money on physical products if you have them or hosting your digital products. So there are some real costs. And it's important to kind of put those at the front of mind. And and ROI, when you hit 0% ROI, that's basically when you've recaptured every dollar you put into creating that product and every dollar you put into promoting and selling that product. And that's when you know that you say, hey, I did all this great work. I put these amazing products together. I went out and I sold them. And I basically have paid for everything I did. So everything that comes after that, you know, that 1% ROI, that is money in your pocket. That is when you've gone and said, this is amazing. I put all this stuff together and finally I'm getting to see real return for what I did. Heck yeah. Attribution is about helping us decide what gets credit for success. And then ROI is helping us measure how successful we were. And so by kind of taking these two things together, we were sort of able to go back and re-examine and challenge all of our sort of preconceived ideas about what success looked like with traffic. So the recap is we basically expanded our market to digital marketer. We said we're going to go out and serve an entirely new class of customer that's that's basically brand new to us. And we're going to create massive value for them. And we want to do it in the best way possible where we can bring the most people in. And we knew we were having success, but we didn't know what was working or what we should do more of or what we should do less of. And so redefining how we were measuring success was kind of the key to changing how we thought about paid traffic and letting us scale and grow the business and reach this totally brand new audience. Which is super helpful for you guys because, I mean, in order to reach the goal, you know, 10,000 businesses, doubling the size of 10,000 businesses is the goal, right? It's not all going to be in the internet marketing, digital marketing space. So, exactly. I mean, this is, this is about influence. You know, how can you influence more people 
in a positive way. And, you know, I would assume there's a paid traffic component to this, you know, on Facebook. And I think, you know, if you don't know this kind of stuff, this is going to be limiting for you. You're going to hit this wall. You know, this yeah. is any business. This isn't just digital marketer. It's any business. And I think, you yeah. know, managing customer accounts like this, they are struggling with this a lot. And I'm going to have all of them listen to this episode, by the way. This is yeah. super relevant. I couldn't agree more. It's really just concepts that you have to grasp for scale. Great job, John. Excited to hear the rest. So you ate your vegetables and now we can... (laughs) (laughs) Dessert! Ice cream! How do we do it? (laughs) It's kale chips. Sorry. Bad news. (laughs) (laughs) I want the mega stuff Oreos now. (laughs) Just blend them all together. (laughs) Juice it. We talked a little bit about that that spreadsheet I had, and the idea was thinking in cohorts. And and cohort is just like a fancy term that we use to say it's a group of people that have some shared characteristic or a couple shared characteristics. And so for, for this process, the two shared characteristics were the week that someone became a lead and the source that sort of brought them in and turned them into a lead. So, you know, what lead magnet was it or what form on our website was it that really made them go from just being someone who was an observer to someone who raised their hand and said, I'm interested in learning more and hearing more about what you guys do. So when I went through and and took our 12 biggest campaigns that we'd spent, you know, over the over the year, something like, gosh, a million dollars, one point two million dollars, something like that on and and really dug into this, looking at it with this previous opt in attribution, I was able to go through and say, hey, you know, every week we got a little bit more money from this group, right? The first week we brought them in, we were getting that negative 80% ROI, right? Where we're, we're putting in a dollar and we're getting 13 cents back. But after a few more weeks, you'd see a little bit more money come in and a little bit more money come in. And we did this over time and just kind of kept looking at it and kept thinking about it. And John, for other businesses, this would mean that they're buying other products. Maybe you put them in a continuity program, you upsold them something. So ju- just keep that in mind. It's not just subscription products. It's And it's not just that for us, right? It's it's all these different tiny little things where someone says, oh man, I need that execution plan or I want to subscribe to this subscription box product or you know, I'm going to go in and get my haircut every every six weeks, something like that. So it could be anything because really this is thinking about customers and how they become not just one-time buyers, but people that have a relationship with you and and people that, you know, you can help grow and improve their lives with whatever it is you're selling. So what we did when we were looking at this is we went in and said, how many days is it taking us basically to break even, to hit that 0% ROI? And we realized that for different campaigns, we were getting different numbers. And we were able to go in and kind of say like, you know what, this feels like the win. This is where we used to be back when we were in this really small, narrow little audience was we were going to jump past that 0% mark and we'd do it in a week or or 10 days or something like that. But now it was it was further out. It was more of a time commitment. But this is like kind of the second time we planted the flag. So we had first said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to expand and reach this new audience no matter what it takes because it's what the customer needs to grow their business. It's what, it's what we need to really reach all these people that we want to help. And this time we said, you know what, before success was not getting that extra 30 cents out of it, right? It wasn't that 30% ROI. 
It was about putting money into a system and getting a customer out of it and getting back to even where we felt okay to go out and find new people and bring them into the circle, you know, bring them into the DM family or, or whatever business and help them for a long time. But we had to get to that initial point because you can't just go out and throw away, you know, hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars forever. Because <laughs> at some point, the business ceases to exist. That is not scalable. <laughs> you need cash reserves. Ideally, you start off with something that's very, you know, ROI positive. And then as you expand, hopefully you have enough cash in the bank to sustain yourself for whatever period of time that it takes you to, to bring back to break even. Yeah. And it, it goes back to this quote that, that Ryan said. And I, this is like the first thing I ever heard Ryan say. And it's one of those things that I just like, there are so many times when I'm, when I'm looking at something and I keep unpacking it and saying, wow, this works in so many ways, but he or she who can spend the most money to acquire a customer wins. So if you're willing to put in, you know, 10 cents more than your competitors on average, over time, over a longer period of time, you are going to win. You're going to be the business that gets that extra person who's on the fence between the two. You're going to be the one that, that has a plan to grow and really is bringing in new customers, expanding your product lines, and just transforming your business. And kind of like on that line, I know there are going to be some people listening to this saying, well, I really like making money. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I like making money too. I think everybody probably does. But at the end of the day, there's an opportunity cost here, right? If you get 100% ROI on every dollar you spend online, you have stunted your business. You have said, mm-hmm. I am not going to let my business grow and flourish like, like I believe I want it to. Instead, I'm going to hold it back and say that it's more important for me to every single time turn profit instead of getting out there and reaching more customers and, and putting your product out there for more people and just just letting others know that you're out there and raising your hand and saying, hey, I'm here. I can help you. Yeah. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. That's why when I see marketers, especially agencies that say things like, my campaigns have a 500% ROI or this or that. And and not that we won't say that when we're speaking of a particular campaign, but it's like, you know, the highest ROI agency or individual, it's like, well, the highest ROI isn't always the name of the game, right? There's so much scale left on that particular campaign if it's going to cold traffic. Now, if that's going to warm traffic, of course you want a high ROI because your goal is just to make more money from people that you've already acquired. But if you're talking about cold campaigns that are bringing in new life to the business, which are the most important, it doesn't get more important than that, the higher ROI that you have means that you need to scale more because there are more customers out there that you can acquire. The more customers you acquire, the more money you're going to make on your monetization campaign. So I just can't say how important that is. It's when you're looking at it from a short-term ROI perspective, right? When people are looking at it from a 100, 500% ROI in you know seven days or one day or 30 days. But what does ROI stand for? Return on investment, right? So let's compare it to a traditional investment like investing in the stock market or investing in real estate or 401k or anything like that, right? How do we look at those investments and measure them against other investments? Even if it's venture capital, you're looking at it from an annualized perspective. So 
if those guys want to compare to like some of the campaigns you're talking about here, right? Let's look at 12 months. That's why if you look at your like wicked reports or whatever data system you're using, and it's great when you can say, okay, in January, we spent $10,000, let's say, right? We made back $10,000 at the end of the month, or maybe we made back $7,000. But how did that $10,000 do the rest of the year? So like, you can actually go back and look in some cases in December and see, oh, that actually, that $10,000 actually generated, you know, $65,000 plus all these leads and subscribers. And so think about it that way. When you're doing this, it's an investment because you're not only going to be bringing in more money later on when you do the things that, that Molly and John are talking about today, but you're building a bigger, like if it's real estate, right, you're adding more uh, units to your apartment. You're building bigger subscriber base and customer base. And so you're building that asset much bigger and much stronger. And this is a mindset shift for yes. a lot of us. So we, so we see this firsthand, like you guys are doing this for digital marketer. We see this firsthand when we reach a certain point at scale with our customers and where they still think that they need to have a hundred percent ROI on day one. And it just, as you scale and as you move out and as you you know, generate more cash for the business, it just becomes unsustainable. Now, I mean, ideally you want to spend a thousand dollars a day and make a thousand dollars a day and then scale that to a hundred thousand dollars a day and make a hundred thousand dollars a day. If you can do that, great. But chances are, as you start to expand your audience outside of your like easiest niche, you know, the ones that yep. are probably aware of your solution, going back to the upside episode or aware of your competitor's solution, you have to go into like a deeper type of audience, which is going to cost you more money that are unaware yep. of your solution, unaware of who you are, unaware that they might even have this problem that yep. exists. So, you know, we've done this. We've we've got, done this just recently, actually, with a customer that's now spending $100,000 a month, and they are now going negative. We it, Because they know that within like three months, they're going to make all that back and then some. And mm. we analyze it every single month. So it's a mindset shift. It's scary at first. If you don't have cash yeah. in the bank, you, you really can't do this. If you, have, you don't have cash in the bank. But you know, as you grow, it's absolutely necessary. You can start small. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that is exactly right. And it's awesome to hear about examples you guys have. You know, I live in the world of digital marketer. And so when I saw this, it was it was a scary moment. It was a scary change. But I love hearing that other businesses are learning to adopt this mindset because it is really how you you do what you want to do for your business, what your business needs to grow and thrive. If you want to stay flat, never get outside of your bubble. I mean, you can make all your money back and then some in just a few days every time. But if you really want to reach out there and grow and build a strong, sustainable business and transform lives with your products, you have to be willing to, to put yourself out there. And you're right, it is all about cash reserves. And we're going to get into that, not that I'm necessarily going to share <laughs> share the exact cash reserve amount, but but how to think about risk versus opportunity. That's like, that's really the name of the game. And so we kind of had this, this mental shift, right, where we had to say to ourselves that making money is not the goal of every selling system. And it is the goal of some, right, when we're selling tickets, we don't want to go into the hole. Tickets are expensive. If we're having to pay $1,500 or more to bring someone to, to TNC, that's not going to work out well for us or them because we're not going to be able to give the best experience. But but there are a lot of systems that we were using to drive leads and drive customers that we had been used to being super profitable. And in this moment of shifting our intent, shifting our audience, we had to kind of let go of that expectation and tell ourselves that it's okay 
if we're not making all of our money back within the next day or making all of our money back with even the next 30 or 60 days for some of them because the investment and that opportunity was there. We just had to let ourselves chase it. So we decided there were four kind of key things that we needed from every one of our selling systems. And those four things were that we need to at least break even at 0% ROI. And not only that, but we needed to break even in a reasonable amount of time. We couldn't say, hey, in 12 years, oh man, we're going to be <laughs> totally flat on this. We crushed it. That That's not an option. Who knows, who knows what the internet looks like in 12 years, right? We're going to be having, you know, that 1,235th <laughs> podcast episode, VR <laughs> glasses and gloves, and it's going to be a weird interactive experience. You can't wait because <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. So reasonable amount of time is, is really key. And you need to use the revenue potential of a customer or a lead that's coming in to see how many days you can wait. So if we're trying to move some product that the end goal is to sell something that only costs $7 or something that only costs $10, there's not a lot of opportunity there for us to, to make our money back. So we can't spend $100 in the hopes that someone's going to buy a $10 product. You know, if it's a subscription box or, or you know, maybe cosmetics, right? Something that they're going to buy again and again. That really changes what the revenue potential is. But you kind of need to understand with any given system, the thing that you're selling or the things that you'll be selling, how much opportunity is there? How many times are people going to come back to the well and buy again? How expensive is the product up front? Is there a continuity component? All that. And then the last one, and I think the most important one, especially when I was kind of managing the way we were building these systems, is you need to have one singular specific goal. You can't ask too much of your system. So this was, again, that kind of letting go for us. We couldn't say, hey, we not only want to acquire new leads and a high volume of leads, but we also want to make tons of money from those leads. Mm -hmm. Trying to do all of those things in one selling system back in the wild west of, of <laughs> 2015, you know, maybe, maybe you could do it every once in a while. Maybe to this really small audience, we could pull it off. But when you really want to to grow and take that next step, or even, you know, if you're in a really competitive market, trying to do everything with one selling system, every single time you're going to be fighting yourself because you have two or three things you're trying to accomplish and you might be getting two of them, but not the third. So do you turn it off or do you, do you leave it on or do you have to change everything and optimize for that one thing you're missing? How do you know what is successful, right? How do you know what to track? Yeah, that's my favorite question. People are like, hey, can you tell me how this is doing? I say, I absolutely can tell you that. What is it you want it to do? <laughs> <laughs> so true. People say that all the time, Molly, how are my ad campaigns? It's like one goal for each campaign. Measure that one thing. Not that there aren't you know, smaller numbers that lead to the bigger number that you can look at to judge success, but having that one success metric is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, you know, I look at all kinds of information and in Facebook, they give you tons of raw data because there's a lot of information you need to make really smart decisions. But when you're trying to think flipping the switch, right? Yes. No. Do I keep running traffic to this or not? That kind of main overarching goal is really what you need to go back to again and again to say, this is something I want to be doing and I know it's working or you know what? We had this goal of driving a bunch of leads and we're making money, but we're only making, you know, 100 leads every month. I don't think this is the campaign for that, right? You might say, all right, 
according to that one goal, we got to turn this off. Totally. The kind of like questionnaire we used, and this is even more simplified, is what is the goal of the system, right? So what does the business need? Does it need revenue, right? Is it is it in its infancy? Is it a smaller business and it's just trying to get this digital thing off the ground? Then it's going to be revenue. Or is it a bigger business with some cash reserves that's really trying to, you know, go out and, and grab and, you know, kind of sing some flags into a new audience, a new customer base? Well, then leads are going to be the goal. Or, you know, maybe it's like you really want to find a very specific kind of person, right? So it might be about having conversations, something like that. So you really need to decide what it is you want for your business from the system. And then in line with that, you need to define success. So a success revenue, is it leads or subscribers? Could be phone calls. It's, it could be anything for any business. You just need to know going into this exactly what it is you want success to look like. And then the last one is how much risk are you willing to take to accomplish the goal? And risk kind of lives in this, you know, relationship with opportunity. So the more potential there is, the more opportunity, the, the higher the product price is, the longer the continuity is, the better the experience is for the customer to make them come back again and again, the more risk you should be willing to take. And that was kind of the, the mindset I really liked adopting was thinking about different systems as having different levels of risk. And I'll kind of talk about that with all five of the systems and how much risk this one or that one might let us take. So, you know, everyone needs to agree on what success is. They need to be realistic. And, you know, you need to do this in a certain period of time. That's where the, the risk comes in. Okay, this is amazing stuff here, John. And I'm going to jump in here because I'm thinking that uh, time-wise that you've given us such an amazing perspective of how to really look at your model in general and how to look at traffic and campaigns and I know we haven't gotten into the, the juicy, you know, five systems yet, but I'm thinking that what we'll do is we'll break this up uh, into two episodes. Next week, we'll have you go through the five systems this way, then you don't have to, you can go deeper, you know, you don't have to rush through those five things. And so the listener, yeah. you guys can get a much better understanding of that. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> what is it yeah i think it's best i think it's best so now you guys have to come back next week <laughs> have to come back next week um maybe john if you could just recap at all like just a quick little recap like anything like if there's one or two more things that people really need to understand or or how they should, could prep for next week or anything like that other than that we'll we'll wrap it up and next week we'll go deep into the um the systems absolutely so you know the, the big ideas are you need to understand what your different systems purpose is, right? So every system has one singular purpose that's really its overarching goal. And that's what you're going to use to drive it. And in that same vein, not every system's purpose is to make you all of your money back immediately, right? Some systems are about bringing in leads. Some are about making sales. Some are about starting conversations. And so you want to make sure that you're not living in this world where every single dollar you put in needs to pay you back a dollar and a half or two dollars within within seven days, within 14 days. You need to be willing to go negative and aim for that break even on different systems because that is how you generate opportunity for your business. And just keeping in mind that when you want to to really reach out there, scale and hit the next level, 
part of that is being willing to take on risk. And you need to remember that increased risk always correlates with increased opportunity. And so that's kind of how we want to think about these systems. Some allow for more risk, some allow for more opportunity. So you got to find the balance. Awesome, John. Awesome. We'll see you next week. Way good. Cool, cool. And once again, show notes are at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 123. So next week, the second half, part two will be 124. Until then, we will talk to you soon. See ya. Sweet. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. focused on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and the holiday shopping season, when probably what you should be doing is keeping an eye out towards the plan that you have for 2024. Now, we here at Perpetual Traffic want to help you make 2024 the best business year you've ever had online and help you do that through everything that we talk about here on this podcast. Well, for 10 lucky businesses, we are going to offer through the end of the year, January 1st is our cutoff date. We are offering 10 free audits for 10 lucky businesses. We will go through everything from all of your ad spend on all your social platforms. We'll do everything on your website, analyze all your CRO, as well as look at your data, how you're tracking, as well as look at your email sequences, everything associated with your digital marketing, wrap it up into an audit, give you a score and tell you exactly where you most need to improve. And we are offering this to 10 businesses for free through the end of the year. In order to get your free audit, head on over to tier11.com, fill out the application and make mention in the actual notes section that you heard about this promo for the free audit on perpetual traffic and we'll bump you to the front of the line. Now this is for 10 businesses only. We have a limit of 10. We literally do not have more capacity to be able to do more than that because I actually do have to give my people between Christmas and New Year's off. So they've got to work really quickly. So the quicker you can get this and submit it, the better, and we're going to take the first 10 that apply. So make sure you head over to tier11.com forward slash audit. For your free audit, we will look at every aspect of your digital marketing, give you a rating, and then give our recommendations as to what you can improve so you have the best year ever in 2024.